the candles, right? Uh, but it was, we went through hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, and so we're kind of now transitioning out of that. We were, we were like, do we play Christmas songs? It's the day after Christmas. So we did one. Uh, I was like looking at the play, the playlist. This is the confusing time, right? Like, do you keep your tree up? Right. It's socially acceptable till January 1st, right? To have your, all your stuff up. And then if not, just keep it up till next year uh, and be that person, I guess. Um, if you are that person, thank you for coming. We welcome you. Um, there you go. Uh, the Christmas lights on all year. Hey, that's bringing cheer. Um, but anyway, so I was thinking about like a message that's kind of like in between. And really that's like kind of whole, the whole point of the Advent. It's the coming of Christ. Looking, we were looking forward to that, then looking back on that. Now we look to the second coming of Christ. And so we're right in the middle. And you guys know Kevin. Kevin's such a sweet saint. He's cleaned uh, this church for years and years. Um, us getting rid of the carpet probably uh, added so much time to his life uh, because he was constantly cleaning, especially the hallway. Uh, that was like run while the kids running back and forth. I remember after VBS is just so gnarly, but Kevin's been awesome. He's, he's, he's just been such a good servant here uh, at the church. His email address is, does anybody know? Fill the dash. I really like that. So I was thinking, fill the dash. So that's kind of where the message title is filling the dash. Uh, and subtitle, I guess, would be already, not yet. Because we're right in the middle between when Jesus came and when he's coming again. We're somewhere in that dash. And so we look at the life we live now, looking back on what occurred, Jesus coming, Jesus dying, raising again from the dead, uh, and now us being new creations in him, we look back to that, and then we look forward to his second coming and everything being made right. That will be a great and glorious day, but right now, we're somewhere in that dash of history, right? Somewhere from the beginning to the end. We don't know exactly where. We can get hunches, um, <laughs> but we're somewhere in there, so we're going to look at that today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your word and just for the fact that you love us, and you want us to be a part of what you're doing. And what you're doing is something uh, good, really good, Lord. And you saved us, and you've redeemed us, and you've made us new, um, and given us the tools we need uh, to be effective in this season. Uh, and so we pray that you would just help us to have our eyes fixed on what, both what you've done and what you're doing in the future, and that we'd be able to use it and apply it to what's going on around us right now. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, when we talk about the already, not yet, this is like the inaugurated eschatology. Already, the new kingdom has come. Jesus said that when he came, but it's not yet completed. So we're part of watching that kingdom progress amidst a kingdom of darkness, right? Amidst the, a different, a whole different system, a whole different world, a whole different thinking. And so we're the lights that stand out in the darkness. So it's already begun. It's not yet completed. Here's where we're at. In Romans chapter 8, that's where we're going to pick up. And I'm going to kind of uh, give a bit of a summary of, of uh, part of it. But we're going to be focusing mostly on 31 through 39. Uh, in verses 12 through 16, we see we're no longer under the curse of the law or the reign of flesh. 
but we're able to live and be led by the Spirit. New creations, right? Like that, that as Jesus died and rose again, so we died in our same relationship we had to sin and death. And now it's a different thing. We live in a different way, right? Um, the Spirit, it's, it's not a spirit of fear, right? Now we have this, the Holy Spirit active in our lives. It's not a spirit of fear, Right? Then that's so good to remember. Not a spirit of fear, but but of a we're, we're of adoption. We're sons. We're daughters. We're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Great news, right? And then verses eighteen through thirty, uh, we still deal. Well, you guys can go back and read this all if you want. I just didn't want to read like a giant, you know, block of text. Um, we still deal with sufferings of this age. We still struggle. We still go through stuff. But it's nothing in comparison to the glory to come. So all the stuff that we endure, it's, it's like it's nothing in comparison to the glory that is to come. So we keep that in mind, right? We're, that's why it's really important that we keep in mind what Jesus did, what he's doing. These are, this is what we're looking at. This is where our hope comes from. This is where our peace comes from. This is where our joy comes from. And it's with his love we love one another in that, right? So we're looking at, uh, the sufferings we endure, we understand that, and the comparisons of the glory to come. We're stuck here in this already, not yet, and the earth, the, it, it tells us the earth groans with us. You know, it kind of feels like that, like the earth groans, you know? It, it's, it's in pain from what's going on here, right? And so uh, there's something wrong and there's something messed up. We need to see what's right. The more we see, and the more we see what's right, the more we see what's wrong. Isn't that true? Like the more you get it, the more you see how messed up it really is. Um, and, and that's for a good reason. So we take hope and we wait with earnest expectation. We have expectation in the promises of God. We allow the spirit to help us in our weaknesses, Right? God gives us this, his spirit to help us in our weaknesses. Uh, even when we don't know how to pray, even so like, even if you're so desperate, you can't even pray. The spirit gives us utterances to pray. Isn't that crazy? Like he gives us everything we need, wherever we're at. The spirit is active. It's the, this uh, helper there to lead us into truth, to guide us, Right? So it allows us to, to see things and uh, makes intercession for uh, us um, on our behalf. And so I think it's really important as we're like looking at the world, we got to double down on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God's weapons of war. How we ab- address the world we're living in, right? God is working all things, and it says God is working all things together for those who love God or are called according to his purposes. We love that verse. He's working all things together. So we keep in mind God's past faithfulness, his current faithfulness, and look to his future faithfulness, right? God has got it under control. We can trust him. Even though we do, we are promised sufferings. We're promised to go through stuff. And I know there's a lot of people in our church right now, a lot of them aren't, aren't even here, that are struggling and suffering, going through a lot and so it's, it's, we need this reminder. So verse 31, here's where we're going to get into the text. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all 
things. This is a game changer. This changes everything. You know, so what do we say to all these things, all the stuff we're going through, all the things that we endure, all the things the world's going to throw at us? If God's for us, who can be against us? I actually have a tattooed on my, on my leg. And it's, it's an interesting tattoo. You're like, well, it should be. You got it on your body forever. But it's, it's like a tattoo. It was like a crew tattoo of my friends. They were part of the bands together. And there's only a certain number of us that have it. Uh, and um, there's a bunch of guys that have it. And then there's one girl that has it. Hers is red. And um, she passed away this week. Unex- kind of like shocked us all. She's my age. And she lived in Sweden. Sweet girl. Loves the Lord profoundly loves the Lord, you know. I love being able to go back on people's, like, social media and see how much they love the Lord. It's so nice, <laughs> you know. It's so nice to go back. But, but this was, I was talking to one of my friends who called me and told me the day it happened, and we were, we were grieving. We are so sad, you know, just so sad about it. Um, but he reminded, we were talking about this verse, and I was just like, that is so, and so this has been on my mind. So it's kind of like where it's coming from, I guess. But if God is for us, who can be against us, right? God is an expert in defying all odds and circumstances. This is the God who uses trumpets to take walls down, right? He's a, this is the God who uses a, a little shepherd boy to take down the nine-foot Goliath. My kids always are like, how big's Goliath? And we have, our ceilings are nine foot. I'm like, that big. <laughs> That's how tall he was, they say. And so we're like, whoa, that's really tall. And then I pulled out a uh, tape measure this last week and said this would be his wingspan roughly. It's insane. I think you can reach across our whole living room, basically. You're like, could you imagine that, that wingspan swinging a sword at you? You know? <laughs> you put him in the middle of the room and he could probably get hit all of us with it, you know? It's like, yes, but God chose David. Remember the, the story of Gideon where he's like, no, nah, you got too many people. You'll probably take credit for this right? Daniel, thrown to the lions. What is he, what happens? He's sleeping, you know, hanging out. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Thrown in the fiery furnace, right? What happens? They come out. They don't even smell like smoke. How's that possible? You go camping, you smell like smoke for like a month, you know? Everything is like, what is this? Uh, and, and, and so we have a God that can defy all odds. Does it mean he always does? No, it doesn't mean he always does uh, as far as in our earthly circumstances. But if we look at it like from a big, big, like big, he always does when it comes to soul stuff. God always comes through and he always has. So we look back at his promises and we remember and then we look and we say, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is what he's talking about that he didn't give us a spirit of fear. Fear is just so toxic. That's why it's a commodity. That's why our, uh, our news loves it so much. We love fear, right? We buy into it. We tell, them, we tell them, please give us more. We want more things to be scared about. I want to be glued to you. I need, th- I need this in my life. It's, it's crazy, but when we say these things, all the things, all the struggles, everything that comes against us, who, if God's for us, who can be against us? Want to know the proof? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The proof is in Jesus. That was the culmination. That is, you want to know what love looks like? Here it is, Jesus. This is the solution, the game changer. 
verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. There's no condemnation in Christ. We got to remember that. There's no condemnation in Christ. On Christmas Eve, we looked at like the shepherds and the shepherds had like a gnarly story. You know, that like the shepherds were so poorly looked upon at the time when Jesus was born. I mean, like they were like scum of the earth, right? And remember some of the stats, they were like, they weren't even allowed to like um, be witnesses in court. You couldn't buy stuff from them because they figured it was stolen. Shady. God says, you know who the first people I'm going to show this to? The shepherds, right? And then they go and their lives are changed dramatically. He's doing the same in us. So as who is he? There's no condemnation in Christ, right? Who's going to condemn? Who's going to say something against us? Who can bring a charge against those who belong to Jesus? God is the one who justifies. No other opinions really matter in that sense. Of course, we know that we have an adversary, and, he, and one of the things he's called is what? An accuser of the brethren who loves to sow division, right? So we have this, this adversary that is constantly accusing us and telling us how shot we are and how bad we are and how messed up we are. And we go, oh, it starts to get weary. Oh, you're not really his because if you were, you wouldn't do that. And Jesus is like, who's telling you these things? Who's in your ear?" I say, we've got to be really careful and cautious about who we lend our ears to. What are we taking in? You know? And you know what? It's not always bad things, but it's like, I took on the project, started painting my house inside because it was, you know, 800 square feet, uh, five people. It's the walls, you know, four years living there. I mean, the walls just, they could, a magic eraser wasn't magic enough. Let's put it that way, Okay. So it was like, let's start over. So we started painting. And it's like, you know, painting always takes way longer than you think. It, we're not even done. It's mostly done. It's faded out. <laughs> it looks good. We said, we're good for till after Christmas. Um, but one of the things I do like about doing, like, painting is I just listen to podcasts. Like, really cool, godly podcasts. I'll listen to the Biola podcast, and I'll listen to, you know, um, Bible Project stuff, or whatever. Good podcasts that are, like, uplifting. And I'm always amazed. Like, man, it, it just... It changes my whole outlook or, you know, or listening to the Bible, you know. We do the Bible reading in a year. Uh, listening to Scripture. It's amazing how much it changes the way you deal with your day and your life. But if you're listening to other things, you're lending your ear to other voices, you don't get the same garbage in, garbage out, right? And so we have this enemy and all of his people who are under his sway and which is like the world as a whole, to some extent, looking to condemn and accuse. And the problem with feeling condemned and accused is you end up becoming that, that they say you are. Because you feel like, oh, I'm nothing, I'll never be anything else. No, you got to know who you are in Christ. No condemnation in Jesus. God justifies. No one else. Christ died for us. The, it's been paid in full. And now he's at the right hand, who, and he's praying for us. He's making intercession for us because we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows what we've gone through. And he's praying for us. You know, you're like, some people's prayers get answered more than others, you know? I don't know, Jesus is probably due. 
<laughs> you know, he's making intercession for us before the Father, right? He understands, he gets it, he, he loves us. Anyway, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tell me, who could possibly do that? Right? And then he gives really good examples. Because you go, of course nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. And then he gives all these examples that make us think that we have been separated from him. Just in case you're wondering, that won't do it, right? So what's the list? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. All the things that spread fear, fear, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. God isn't on the throne anymore. Somehow he lost. He's done. And yet we see God throughout the whole Bible, faithful, 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 faithful. Prophecies from hundreds and thousands of years beforehand accomplished in him, in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. He says, look what I did, look what I'm gonna do. Don't worry about the rest. I'll take it, and I love that. We mentioned it the last couple of weeks, I think. But I love that he even says, when you're brought before, don't worry about what you'll say if you're brought before the courts. I'll give you what to say. Don't stress. You can't hold the world on your shoulders. You cannot do it. Fall into the arms of Jesus and trust him. Believe, it's like, get on your knees, man. Go to him and be like, I, I'm, all of these things are lying to me. And instead of internally trying to figure everything out, that's, that's a problem for me. Because I think if I just think about it enough, I'll come to a good con conclusion. Like I can work it all out in my head. And for the last two years, good luck. Like everyone's assumptions went out the, the window, you know, to some extent, right? Just like, what do I do with this? How do I even, it's like, Lord, I don't even know what to do, how to do it. Where do we go from here? I have no clue. And then falling into the arms of Jesus, just trusting him. You got this. Knowing who I am, whose I am, and who's supplying the power, right? So we have this spirit that's ministering to us, through us, for us, on our behalf. Using uh, uh, every opportunity and, and hardship and pain and stuff. He's using it for his glory, turning it for good. So that we could be a witness to the whole world. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's promised to us that we're going to be dealing with stuff. For your sake, we're like, we are killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know? Despite, it's like, but despite being sheep for the slaughter, we don't run away. No, it's not our power. It's not our ability. It's not our, you know, whatever. So that's why it's like fighting with the right warfare. The power is in staying and in being held by Christ. Like just letting him work through us, right? Because the other thing is, is like when we start using other methods, it's contagious. It kind of gets worse. It keeps going. You know, we, 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 you know, like whatever it is, whatever it is that you, you have to deal with. I remember, you know, you have to deal with like bullies when you're a kid. And if you like let yourself get bullied, 
you'll just be bullied your whole life. I don't know. This isn't biblical, you know, I guess. But it's like, it, it, it's, they're going to keep doing it until all of a sudden they find out this is a bad target, you know? And, and so it's like, if you're going to run away, you will be running away your whole life, right? And so, but, but here's the other part. It's not our power to do it. So we stand, but we don't stand in our own power, right? That's that 2 Corinthians 4 principle. Press but not crushed, perplexed not in despair, persecuted not forsaken, struck down not destroyed, right? Always caring about the death of Jesus that the life may be brought forth, the, this treasure that's hidden, in, that's hidden in earthen vessels, the gospel, the power of God living through us. Even as everything comes, we are a sheep before the slaughter. You look real bad. The world looks like we finally got them. And this has been the church throughout history filling this dash. Finally, you know, the French Revolution. Finally, you know, we'll get rid of this pesky God-believing people, you know, and we'll make our churches and assign them to reason. The Bible will be gone shortly, everyone. Don't worry. Where to go? <laughs> Yeah, I was listening to a podcast, Jay Warner Wallace. I've mentioned him before. Cold Case Detective, used to be on TV. Um, wife, or, wife wanted to go to church, and he started researching it and laying it all out uh, to look at it as a forensic detective to show how wrong it is, and he ends up falling in love with Jesus. This is the story over and over again. Josh McDowell, same thing. You guys know Josh McDowell more than a carpenter. Um, uh, what's the other one? The big one. What is it? Evidence. Evidence that demands a verdict. That's right. Uh, he's he's same story. Came from a really rough background. Didn't you know? Just wanted to disprove it. Lee Strobel, same thing. These thing, these guys that would look into it honestly, earnestly, and all of a sudden their lives are turned over, transformed by Christ. God does not need any. He doesn't need us to defend him in that way or to make it happen for him. We just need to trust him, believe him. That, that even, the, even when you feel like you look like you know, a sheep before the slaughter, we recognize in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Whether it pans out now or in eternity, we are more than conquerors. Not just like you kind of Escape more than conquerors. I love that. In all these things, these are the things we're more than conquerors in. And that is like so contagious. Because especially when we're talking about like uh, persecution, you know, or, or even condemnation, where now like speech is, nobody can say anything, you know? You know who's, who's the biggest voice for like saying like, you know, being able to say things is comedians, Comedians are like, are you kidding me? Like, they see the world, you know? And they're like, why can't we tell the truth about that part of things, you know? Why can't we say these things? And, and, and it's like this whole part of what? Cancel culture. Where, ah, I'll, just, I'll get canceled. All this. It's like, look, you know, don't say dumb things that don't represent God. But when you say things that bring life, don't let anything silence that. Because if God... If, if it's honoring to God and glorifying, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. And that's part of the complex we have to deal with in the world of social media, right? You worry about what people think. 
right? That's what it's about. How what do people think about me? Oh, what do they say? What do they see? How does my life look? And that's like, it's okay. And it actually could be used for God's glory, but it also can be really toxic if you're become slave to that thinking. God is calling us to trust him, believe him, and, and to proclaim him. To believe what he said and what he's, that he's going to do and what he is doing. For I'm persuaded that neither, verse 38, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities uh, nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, that, basically what he's saying is like anything you could imagine. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. That is such good assurance. And it's with that assurance, and it's with that thinking, we get back up off the mat time and time again. You know? Um, we, we, it's been a very weird couple years. And you're like, I don't want to deal with any of this anymore. I'm over it, you know? But God says, this is where you're at. This is, this is where you're at. This culture, this city, this life, where you're at, this place. This is where I put you for a reason. Why are you here? To proclaim the good news of the gospel, to not worry, and, and to get up and get, Lord, you're the one that's going to have to do it, but to fight another fight. You know? We keep fighting and we use the right weapons. Ephesians 6, right? The, the armor of God says, having done all to stand, stand. And then it goes through the whole list, right? I, I ran across this story. You guys, anybody has ever heard of uh, the boxer, gentleman James Corbett? Yes, from the 1800s? This guy was a legend, I guess, in his own right, right? Uh, he beat John Sullivan, who was like the champion in 1892, uh, and he beat him in 21 rounds. Now they limit it 12. No, no, so that's really impressive, right? You know what his motto was? His motto was, fight one more round. Just keep on going. Fight one more round. You know that he once fought before this, it was actually before this fight, he fought this Australian guy, Peter Jackson, for, are you ready for this? 61 rounds before they both died. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I used to do, I used to do boxing and kickboxing, and it's like the most tiring thing, you know? Wrestling's tiring, too. But, it, I mean, it is exhausting to go three-minute rounds. 61, you know, insane. But his motto, fight one more round. This was actually his quote. Fight one more round. When your feet are so tired that you have to shuffle back to the center of the ring, fight one more round. When your arms are so tired that you can hardly lift your hands to come on guard, fight one more round. When your nose is bleeding and your eyes are black and you're so tired and you wish your opponent would crack, you on, uh, crack you on on the jaw and put you to sleep, fight one more round. Remembering that the man who always fights one more round is never whipped. I mean, Rocky was based on this, wasn't it? You know, Rocky Balboa fighting guys he shouldn't be fighting, but it's all heart. It's all heart, you know, able to, to take the beating and to keep on going, right? And, and it's important to understand, this isn't 
us just doing it, but it's being willing to stand in there and go, God, I know you're going to supply me, but I'm not giving up and I'm not numbing out. The two, I think those are the two things we're most in danger of, giving up or numbing out, which is giving up to in another sense. Just numbing your brain. I don't want to deal with any of this. How do you numb your brain? A million different ways. And, and studies have shown people who numb out are not people who don't care. They're people who care too much and they can't deal with it and they don't know how to process it, so they've got to turn it all off somehow. But God wants us to be aware, alive, present, or, or, you know, in the midst of it all and to see him be faithful, his strength, his power to fill the dash in the world we're living in. Because we look around us and we go, God, why do, uh, is there suffering? Why don't you just end it all now? Why can't it just be done? Why couldn't Jesus just come back right away? Well, 2 Peter gives us a little bit of insight into that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses um, 8 through nine, 8 and 9. But beloved, do not, because before this, he's talking about like people think God's promises, he's not keeping it. Oh, he says he's coming back. He's not coming back. And he says, don't, don't think that. He is coming back. And this is the reference. Do not forget this, my, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, when Jesus comes back the second time, it's over. We are in the age of repentance. We are living in the age of restoration and forgiveness, right? When Jesus comes back and sin and death and evil is finally dealt with, for, for good, oh, we look forward to that day, so are the chances for people. So God is long-suffering. And if you think about your life, he was really long-suffering with you, wasn't he? Extremely patient. You know? Uh, how many of, who in here, let's actually do hands, have thought maybe you're gonna get struck with lightning one time for the way you're living? No one, me, my hand. Okay, thank you. Appreciate some of you guys. Like, I think it's coming, you know? <laughs> something's something's going to happen, you know? I'm like not where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, here we go. But that, that's, that's just it. God is patient, exceedingly patient with us. And he sees the whole scope of the world. And he's watching the people living in the dash who are part of the new kingdom, the kingdom of God, and he wants to see us invade and, and, and change and shape and illuminate light into all the different corners of the world. We are the ones who have this amazing opportunity right here, right now. So we fight another round. Get back up. Struggle, pain, sin, death. I mean, that takes a toll. It, just, it takes a toll, man. I think it just hurts. But we say, Lord, sustain, guide, lead. Help me to go in, back in and trust you. Next, what do you want? What do you want me to do in this? Meet me here, Lord. I trust you, believe you. I know you're with me. I know that you, the promises you have, that you, God, you're gonna use even this bad stuff, even this hard stuff 
for your glory. So we fight another round. And in doing so, we fill the dash, right? Our, the, the, our spot in human history, right? Whether it ends within a, today, you know, or whether Jesus comes, however it goes down, right? Wherever it's at, we're part of like this. And God has you, specifically you, in mind to be part of the good fight, the warfare that's to be waged. Ephesians chapter six, again, go back to it, read it. You know, having done all to stand, stand, stand in the season. You know, the, the metrics, the, all the stats, they do not look good for the church. They really don't, like as far as the Western church. It's growing rapidly all over the world, you know, but the West. But that, that's, I think that's exactly when God could do something, right? Because he doesn't just work off metrics and statistics. He works off the Holy Spirit using people, changing people, using them to spark revival. And revival knows no limits or barriers. I mean, it could just be wild, you know? And so we say, God, what is it? Why are we here? What are we in right now? Help me look back to what you've done, look forward to the future, but have my eyes open to what's around me. And I think you're at a big advantage being in the, the darker the area you're in, the more the light shines. So if you feel like, man, it's really getting dark in here, ask God to make your light shine a little brighter. And then this is the other part. You come to church and you kind of like stoke each other's fire. We did the candlelight on, on Christmas Eve and it was cool. You see the fire, everybody's at, you know, kind of pass it on. And before you know it, you, you know, you can light up a room with just little candles Cheap candles. Just light up a whole room with it. God uses it to bring it together. And, and as we're alone, it doesn't do much. You might be able to see a little bit in front of you. You bring everyone together, especially if, if we've had a full house, to be like, man, look at what happens when everybody's light comes together. It's amazing. It could change everything. But it takes us being willing to know, hey, look, it's not easy. It's not popular. But that was never really what Christianity was about, ever. It was always born in adversity and stuff, but it was also, also born with power. It started at Pentecost, right? Speaking in tongues, you know? Next thing you know, people are getting saved and healed and all this and that everywhere they went. It, was, it came from power. And a lot of the stuff Jesus was doing, the apostles were then doing. So we look to God and we say, here, you know what's around us. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. When I'm struggling, I go to you. I let your, your spirit work in me, minister to me. You know, I let you have a, that place. And I, I lay it all before you. Get on my knees, Lord. Here, this is all the stuff we're dealing with. It's not like it doesn't exist. It's very real. But I trust you in it. That you're going to take me through to the other side. And that through that, it's going to be like a, a game changer for all of us. So, we're in that spot already, not yet. And somewhere in that dash, God, help us to be faithful with the season we've been given, with the life we've been given, with the, with the impact we've been given here now where you're at. Lord, thank you so much for your promises and that they're yes and amen in, and in you.